0: This episode of Where To Begin With features heavy spoilers of the movie Leek Mungo from 2009. If you've never seen the movie before and you want to take part in this series by submitting a review for the movie then hit stop right now. Go watch the movie, check it out, jot down your thoughts and send them in. If you've seen the movie before or you simply just don't care then just continue listening on. Don't say you weren't warned.
1: I feel like... something bad is going to happen to me. It hasn't reached me yet, but it's on its way. Family and friends the normally tranquil setting of ...to pay their final Alice to a young Palmer woman, Baldwin. taken too soon. Ten days after Ellie's funeral, stuff started happening around the house. Sounds seemed to come from Ellie's old room. They didn't really relate,
0: so I thought, well... I'll just set up a camera to you know, see anything. I looked back and there was footage of a figure moving across the hallway.
1: The image was quite unsettling because it certainly looked like Alice.
0: Don't you to close your eyes. I usually uh, videotape my sessions. Something was empty inside that house and I wanted to find out what it was. We checked the tapes.
1: There was a ghost in our house. Alice kept secrets. She kept the fact she kept secrets a secret. Something bad is going to happen to me. Alice knew she was going to die. I feel like something bad has happened. It hasn't reached me yet, but it's on its way. <gasps> and it's getting closer.
0: Welcome back to another episode of Where to Begin With. In this second season, looking at found footage, mockumentaries, and full documentary movies. Some be horror, some be comedy, some be just downright weird. On this seventh episode, we're turning our attention to what I class as one of the heavy hitters of the entire subgenre, specifically when we're looking through the prism of horror movies this one is Lake Mungo from 2008 it was released in my country in 2009 written and directed by Joel Anderson a guy who really hasn't done much in the way of anything since the release of this movie now what's so interesting about Lake Mungo and why I'm so kind of high on it is that it took me a long time to get to it I never saw this movie until about 2014, 2015, so several years after the release date in the country and I'd heard people kind of batting it around for a while, mentioning the movie Late Mungo and I'm not entirely sure what had put me off checking it out. I don't think necessarily anything had put me off per se, it's just I hadn't made the time to check it out. Add to that that there wasn't exactly any great amount of releases for Lake Mungo in the UK. You could get on DVD, but it was mostly out of print. You fast forward to 2021 and Second Sight in the UK have just put out a pristine Blu-ray of this movie. A collector's edition. And that's where we are now. Because if it wasn't for the word of mouth of fans who have can almost champion this movie but at the same time spread this movie amongst avid horror fans that are looking for something a little off the beaten track. There is absolutely no way a distributor like Second Sight has given it the collection edition that they just put out. It is a remarkable testament to the genre fandom pushing the distributors and the bespoke labels to release content in a fashion format that collectors want to see on their shelves. Do it right or don't do it at all. Now, the reason Late Mungo has that appeal is not just because there's a niche few people out there pushing this movie and people are checking it out and disliking it it is genuinely a great movie and there are a few reasons for that which I'm gonna get into. Um, now I've done full reviews of this movie before on my other podcast, Podcast Under The Stairs. I would highly recommend that you go and listen to the reviews over there and I dare say we're gonna get a fair few listener reviews in for Lake Mungo on this episode coming up in one month's time. No way we don't because like I said, it's a beloved movie. The reason Lake Mungo to me is one of the premier examples of the kind of full documentary style movie is that for the most part, the actors here are regular folk, not actors. There's an authenticity to it. There's very little scripted here. Most of it is ad-libbed. And it's conversations that are filmed with a degree of context in the background of the actor's mind, but what you're getting feels raw and feels real. The second thing is it's about loss and tragedy. There is no spooky witch in the woods, there's no alien coming to take you away and this movie doesn't end with a camera dropping. Um, this for the most part is shot as a documentary and as a result full documentaries tend to have a better kind of standing that way because you've not got people running around in the woods. The element, the only element of this movie that kind of starts to lean in towards that is a small clip of retained footage found at the midway point that changes the second half of the movie. It's grounded in the idea of loss and loss is something that everyone can connect to. Maybe not on the same level as here but the idea of parents and a sibling, a brother, losing a sister Um, to what seems to be a freak drowning accident only to essentially have the body discovered the father going to identify the body and the mother not doing that and her grief being kind of tied to the fact that she never laid her daughter to rest because she never saw the body herself um, starts to haunt this family and those hauntings become just feelings at first but later manifestations as their son, a budding photographer, starts taking video footage and camera footage um, that when you take the frames and explore it appears that their sister is in the background or their daughter is in the background as a ghost and this kind of spars on the story of did she die, is she alive, why can we see things and the movie for the most part is predicated on this what's going on factor. It's very creepy, what's going on factor. Now, the tool that they utilise in this movie is that they will do like a, a still frame, either a photo or a still frame from the video, and then they will zoom in at a part that your eye is not trained to look at. But once you've seen the movie like at least once or twice, you will see it instantly. And there's usually a figure in the background, or there's someone in the mirror. Um, so you, as the audience member... We're just talking about the technicalities here. We're going to swing back around to the story, which I think is better than the technicalities in the movie. But as you continue watching, there's something very unsettling about these pictures. You you instantly distrust everything that's being shown to you. Which is when the movie's first big twist and turn kicks in, which is that these photos are actually fabricated by the brother as a way to maybe placate his mum, who is really suffering with grief. And he thinks this is going to help her. So you then think, well, these are doctored pictures, right? So that's fine. And then the movie takes another twist. When examining another photo, you then see something else in the corner, which is revealed to be a neighbour of, and former babysitter of the, the, the Palmers in the movie. And he appears to be looking for something. The parents find what it is. It contains a videotape. And in that videotape, their daughter is, uh, who was a babysitter for the the next door neighbour's kids, uh, appears to be in like a sexual three way relationship with them, and there's then speculation that maybe this is what has led to her, essentially dying, is maybe some sort of um, stress on the brain, shame maybe, um, that. Ultimately led to to her maybe taking her life, potentially, and then the movie takes a different road. But then we get more kind of details that come out. There's a uh, you know a story of um, specifically the you know the, the the daughter going on a camping trip to Lake Mungo with her friends and. We see in some camera footage from a phone. She goes off and when she returns she looks decisively different. She appears to be burying something. And so the parents travel out to Lake Mungo and dig at the spot and find her camera phone. And when they check back in it they find footage that looks like at some point their daughter interacted with her own dead body from the future. And it's just for a brief second and the futility of realising that she was going to die young and things were inevitable creates almost like a weird paradox. An A leads to B, leads to C, leads to A event that she is essentially trapped in. And the parents have to make peace with that. Now I have specific theories on the, the end shots. Like go and check it Podcasts Under the Stairs to hear them. Um, I don't think it is as happy an ending as the movie makes out to be but what I will say about this and the genius of this movie is at the very end, the very end of the movie the credits have all the photos that you saw earlier on that were doctored and when the camera moves to different parts of those still frames, pictures, etc. their daughter's still in them she's just in a different place the idea being that she's been in there all along um, but because we've been concentrating elsewhere, we never noticed it. The movie really works because of loss. This idea of not being able to let something go, how it haunts and destroys a family, the way we deal with grief and the stages that come with them, um, the optimism and hope that we have that maybe we got it wrong and maybe our children are still there. Um, and that, to me, is one of the more interesting aspects of Late Mungo. And it's a movie that really drives home the idea of mystery. This is a proper mystery. Um, Joel Anderson is clearly influenced by Twin Peaks, a TV show that I love. And it's, it goes a little bit further than just the fact that the name of the family is the Palmers because that makes sense. But the idea that the, the girl, is found at the beginning dead that triggers this mystery and we find out that our life is not the way we perceive it or not the way we thought it was, she wasn't as wholesome as everyone thought she was, she not only had a you know a ten tenuous relationship with her parents, weird relationship with her brother, she had a boyfriend but she was clearly having sex with the neighbours, um, all this stuff starts to come out to the point that you don't really the version of someone that you know is only the version that they allow you to see them it's carefully crafted and we very get very rarely get to see the whole picture of anyone's life and the further you dig into Late Mungo the more you realise that we just didn't know Alice Palmer nearly as much as we think we did and the mystery becomes infectious at that point because we, you, as human beings our instinct is to know more to solve a mystery, and Late Mungo is almost perfect in delivering that. It's also a, a movie that really connects you with the flaws of its characters. You can see those traits in people that you know, and also yourself, and that grims it in there. And then there's the cinematography, the use of sound, and the kind of haunting nature that just Exists as this weird, almost tangible essence throughout the entire movie. Leap Mungo is genuinely, in my opinion, one of the best movies that fall in the category of full documentary, found footage, or, you know, um, mockumentary movies. It is a movie which exists in the bubble of horror, full documentary movies, but at the same time is kind of trailblazing something else. It's a movie that got a bit, a bit of a push when it came out through the indie scene, and uh, it was appeared as part of a collection um, of movies that were all kind of lumped together by indie directors. But it's a movie that has almost year on year acquired more of a fan base to the point now that it is prominently featured on many lists of movies that horror fans, horror publications. And people in the know direct people to check out. It's a sombre, moody and very haunting story that's tragic at its core. But of all the ones we've discussed so far weirdly is the most realistic. And that's where full documentary movies need to shine. That's That's where they need to exist. I need to believe that what I'm watching is real. Otherwise, what's the point? So yeah, your assignment ladies and gents will be to send in a review of Late Mungo with all the usual deets. I'll give you more information on how you do that at the end of the episode as well as your deadline which is going to be a little bit pushed this time around because this episode is dropping so monumentally late let's get into your listener reviews of last month's movie. This is Digging Up The Marrow. You can go back, listen to episode six and hear what I said about that movie there, but we have two reviews in for this episode. Let's start with the first one from Tim Walker who says, Dear Duncan and Teapot's Collective People, Where To Begin With continues with Adam Green's contribution to found footage horror, Digging Up The Marrow. I had seen this one before, but to be brutally honest, I didn't remember much about it. I do remember the film had a lot of Adam Green being Adam Green and I'll get to that soon enough so don't worry. It had some cool looking monsters and a great performance as well as the always phenomenal Rewise, one of the most underrated character actors of the last 30 years or so in my opinion. I'll just tell you Tim, I totally agree. Still, as I recall, I didn't think too much of it overall. I don't even know what I would have rated it. It couldn't have been any higher than a 3 out of 5 but I probably think I would have given it maybe a a 2.5. Did it improve on this watch? A little. I think. Let's get into how and how much. On the positive side, the design of the creature effects were pretty solid and done practically, which always wins some points for me. I'm sorry, but I almost think CGI effects look like a damn computer game It takes me out of the movie unless they are expertly done, that makes me an old curmudgeon then so be it, it's well shot and overall the acting isn't bad. That gets to my favourite aspect of this movie and that is of course Ray Wise's performance. You could hand that man a Waffle House menu, tell him to read it to you and he could make it an award worthy performance. He was intense, compelling and he was the only person to make me laugh in this movie too. The line about pancakes was legit funny, almost entirely because of him. Which brings me to the negatives and first and foremost is Adam Green. His acting isn't that bad, it's just him. He's playing himself and I just don't like him. He's so full of himself, the shameless product placement of his other movies throughout the film doesn't help. The talking over people he does is incredibly irritating as well. Much like Eli Roth, Green has always come across to me as a narcissistic douche frat boy and his characters are usually immature and insufferably obnoxious. Sorry, I know that's an unpopular opinion because they both have legions of fans but I call them like I see them. I do still like at least one movie from each guy. A little bit, so there's that. There is far too much downtime time in Digging Up the Marrow, far too much behind the scenes or behind the horror conventions to be more precise. Too much pointless bickering though the, through the course uh, that there is common, uh, commonality found in the footage. There's not enough of rewise character and the monsters are few and far between. Trollhunter had the perfect amount of monster scenes and they were well shown despite being CGI. Digging Up the Marrow, not so much. In other words, the movie didn't have enough of what it was good at. Overall, I'd say I still like it, definitely in spite of Green instead of because of him. I think if almost everyone else directed this, there would be less of the director's gargantuan ego, the movie would higher up among my favourite town footage films. As it is, I'd give it a 3 out of 5 stars. It's a great concept and great looking monsters. It's got a great performance from a great character actor, but it could have been so much better in general. It's a shame, but it's still a positive rating. I'll be very interested to catch everyone else's opinion. Much like the last couple of movies covered for Where To Begin With, I suspect my reviews will be the most critical of everyone who wrote in, despite being positive overall. We'll see, and we'll see where we'll go next time. There have been some interesting picks and movies to cover, not necessarily the usual suspects too, much to your credit Duncan. I'll catch everyone in the Teapot's Collective next time and until then, stay safe, healthy, happy and don't flash your lights in the woods. Tim Thank you very much to Tim Walker for sending in that review. Tim, I think you're going to be overjoyed because I know for a fact your favourite film footage movie is the next one we're covering, which is Late Mungo. And I look forward to checking out your view on that episode, buddy. Our final review comes in from a long-time listener of the show, David Garrett Jr. And David says...
1: Hello, Duncan and t puts Collective listeners. David Garrett Jr. here once again for where to begin with found footage, and mockumentaries, and for this episode here is going to be Digging Up the Marrow. This is an interesting movie that I don't think I ever really heard about until I got into podcasts, and it was prior to that that I believe I only saw one Adam Green movie, and that was Frozen. I was a bit pretentious at the time and didn't really care for it, and it's one that I do need to go back and rewatch. but since then I've seen Hatchet, which I do enjoy, and I think that's about it for his filmography. But this had been on a list of movies for me to see for some time. So I'm thanking you, Duncan, for you know selecting it here so I can knock this one off my list. Now, what really works for this movie for me is how well they ground it in reality. We have the likes of like Adam Green, Will Barrett, Josh Ethier, Riley Vanderbilt, Kane Hodder, Tom Holland, and Mick Garris. Just to name some of the people because I think also Don Coscarelli is in there. Now, they're all playing themselves. Now, some of these people I didn't know coming in, but the horror legends I did, you know, from the get-go, from just seeing their faces. And, you know, seeing them as themselves really makes this mockumentary feel more real, and that is really what I feel like they are trying to go with here, but I also feel like they do some things to kind of make sure that we know it's a movie. Now, this also feels like it's borrowing heavily from Nightbreed. We have this mythical underground city of monsters. We have a character by the name of Decker, you know, being the great David Cronenberg character from that movie, as well as one of the most diabolical people. Now, after seeing this, I did a bit of research. I did find it interesting that Green did get a package from a fan, and that person believed that Victor Crowley from the Hatchet series was actually a real person. It also seems like Alex Pardee did the art of the monsters in the city that was called Marrow. I believe that, and I like that all the designs here are based on his art from all the creatures that we end up seeing. Regardless, though, Party and Green definitely borrowed from Clive Barker's work as well. It's not a bad thing, but I just kind of feel like it's a little bit weird that wasn't even established at all. And it almost seems like he's trying to take credit as this is, you know, fully his own idea. Again, I don't want to kind of get too much into that, but that's just kind of what it feels like. Now, circling back to the realism... I'm glad that we wait to get for something to happen here. Decker is convinced that he sees something, but as a crowd, we are like Adam and Will. We don't. I'll be honest, I was even straining while watching certain scenes just to make sure if I could find something out. Now, one of the great scenes for me is when Josh and Adam have their backs to the footage that is being shown on computer monitors from the cameras, and I see something move. I think it's like a tombstone that gets up and walks away. No one in the movie seems to notice it and that just makes me feel even more uncomfortable. There is a slower build here, but I think it's effective in building more of that realism that they're going for. Since there isn't actually anything that happens here until the latter third for the most part, this really needs to be driven by the characters. I personally think is a bit of a misstep to cast Ray Wise as Decker because it does ruin some of the realism for me. I know who he is and I'm actually a big fan of Wise. What I will say, though, is that in my research, I found that Green elected to have him so people knew that this wasn't real. That does make sense to an extent, but regardless of how I feel, I think Wise is really good here as this eccentric older man that we don't want to believe, but with how much he believes, it sucks me in. He's a conspiracy theorist, which is kind of interesting that the last film we went over, Duncan, was The Conspiracy, as it fits almost like an interesting double bill there. Now the rest of the acting is solid they're all playing themselves which work and i believe that it brings realism to each character as well then really the last thing to go over here would be the effects and sound design for the former they went practical and you can tell it looks quite creepy and i need to commend the cinematography and lighting here as well they hide things in the shadows they only give you a glimpse and that works there are also a couple times i called out when seeing things There was a moment where I thought they might have used some CGI, but I read that everything was done practically, so that's even more impressive. What they did was an amazing job to see. It really shows that if you take the time and effort, you can make things look more realistic. I think the sound design is effective. There isn't much of a soundtrack, but it also doesn't need that. Overall, I thought that all of this helped with the realism for me. So in conclusion here, I'm finally glad that I got around to seeing this movie, so once again, Duncan, thank you. It is an interesting mockumentary take on what if monsters were real i think that the famous people that we get here help with establishing that green being the writer director and star really helps as well being that he's such a fan of the genre he gives it the proper attention and care that it really does need i think the cinematography helps to hide issues with the effects while what we see looks great the realism is built on the sound design and soundtrack really helps as well this feels like a found footage take on nightbreed which is pretty interesting and i'd say that this is an above average movie that is flirting with being good for me this is one that I definitely need to give a rewatch to see how it sits now that I know where everything goes. So I would say that I'm probably hovering between a 3.5 or a 4, Duncan. So on the T-put scale, I'm going to go on the higher end here just because I did enjoy this first viewing that much and go with a 4 out of 5 for digging up the marrow. And Duncan, I was quite impressed and happy to hear that for the next episode is going to be Lake Mungo this is a movie that any reason that I have to give it a rewatch I'm always excited about as I first fell in love with this movie as one of my favorites from the eight films to die for series and I'll be honest that first time it terrified me so it's been a little bit since I've last seen it so I'm excited there also can't wait to hear the episode and hear what everybody else's thoughts are on digging up the marrow I think it's all I really needed to you know say here so in closing This is David Garrett Jr. and I am signing off.
0: And thanks very much to David Garrett Jr. for sending in that review. Glad you're excited for next month. And I'm very much looking forward to your review of Lake Mungo. Right, Lake Mungo's reviews need to be in to me for, and I'm going to give you an extra week because I'm running late, and I'll be honest about that. The reason this episode is so late in coming out is because of the colossal work happening on the podcast under the stairs feed at the moment as pertains to the summer series. We are doing a massive 120 reviews over 60 recorded hours in 10 episodes, and it is essentially myself and 15 other guest hosts from five different time zones around the world so as you can imagine it has had an impact mostly because the majority of that recording has happened in the last six weeks hence why the lateness of this episode here, it's coming out about two weeks late so we'll uh, try and work things back by September, we should be back to roughly the second week of the month, but we'll aim for the third week of the month. So, what I'm looking for you is a review of Late Mungo into me no later than Friday the 20th, Friday the 20th of August. That is when I'm looking for your review. The episode will drop on Monday the 23rd, so the following month we'll probably slip it back a a week and then everything should work itself out. So yeah, Late Mungo review due into me no later than Friday the 20th of August, episode dropping Monday the 23rd of August. In terms of where we're going on the next episode though, for me, I'm linking it into the summer series. A rewatch of this movie instantly shot up to one of my favorite of this particular year. I genuinely think this is the very definition of what you're supposed to be doing with this kind of found footage genre. Creep is the name of the movie. It is a spry one hour and 15 minutes long. It is essentially a two-man show here. We have Patrick Bryce who worked on the story with Mark Duplass. Patrick Bryce is the director of this movie and only stars Patrick Bryce and Mark Duplass. So this is a movie that works purely on making you feel incredibly uncomfortable. So Creep is the next movie I'll be covering on on where to begin with. That episode dropping Monday the 23rd of August. Thank you very much for checking out this episode. Thank you very much for submitting your reviews I'm looking forward to checking out your reviews of Lake Mungo uh, for release on the next episode and take care of yourselves out there, my dear, dear listeners and
1: friends. Until the next time.